This is Preach Freedom by Alex Mole. Let's get talking. Hello, everyone. This is Alex Mole with Preach Freedom Podcast. And with me on the show today is Carlo Lubin. Hello, brother Carlo. How are you doing? Good morning, Pastor Alex. I'm doing great. Awesome. Carlo Lubin is a real estate investor in South Florida. He's very versatile in the South Florida area. He's an engineer as well, and he's in the process of establishing a nonprofit organization, helping young people have a great career in education around the West Indies and the Caribbeans. And Carlo has come with a huge amount of experience in the South Florida area. And today, Carlo is going to be explaining and talking to us about the issue of social justice. So, Carlo, is there anything you want to share about yourself that the audience would would know or should well, know? Well, first of all, I want to thank you, Pastor Alex, and I, and I commend you for uh, this outstanding work that you're doing in the community, which is um, so highly needed. Um, but in, in terms of myself, it, it's just like um, when I look at uh, the way we evolve as a group and so forth, I see that anybody has an obligation in terms of a contribution either to your group, to the world, because we all were born for a purpose. And um, that's why after uh, spending all my time in my career as a mold maker, as an entrepreneur and so forth, I discovered um, there are certain um, skill sets that can be transferred um, to other young people. And um, skill sets I, I, I wish I had when uh, I was at young, young age and um, to be able to have um, a larger exposure to what can be done and what I can explore in my life. Um, so therefore, I feel like I have an obligation uh, to engage into a process, um, to extend it, and um, to pass on the grace that was given to me. There were wow. Awesome. Awesome. I think that's a great thing you are planning on doing, impacting young people around in the West Indies, also in South Florida. And I know you have done a lot um, here in South Florida, both in the church world and also in the secular world, mainly in the secular world. But I know you have a unique perspective coming um, from the secular world and being established as a businessman in that arena. Now, we're going to be discussing more in details about what my dissertation topic is focused on. I'm writing on social justice and the role of the church in holistic ministry, how the church can engage, practice social justice in the context as an effective holistic ministry. I believe that a lot of Pentecostal churches in South Florida have not engaged in social justice for numerous reasons. So we're going to be talking about that now. In, in, as we go ahead, I'm going to ask you some personal questions. And one of them is, would you consider yourself to be a devoted Christian? Oh, yes. Yes, definitely. Um, but to me, um, being a Christian is something that is evolving as well. Because God has given us tremendous amount of um, power, skills to explore. So um, the state I were in um, in 2020 um, can be evolved in 2021. 
So it's, it's, we can always progress. So definitely uh, look into myself in areas for, um, to evolve, um, to kind of reach the ladder on a higher stage to be more helpful. Yes, I am a devoted Christian to answer to your question. Yeah, I like that. When you talked about just your, your walk with Christ evolves. And that's one of the things uh, preachers talk about all the time, that as a believer, you cannot stay static. You know, um, you have to keep moving. You have to just keep moving, keep improving, keep evolving so that you can continually to be and look like Christ and be in the image of Christ, look like Christ, walk like Christ. And each and every one of us, you and I, are constantly reaching forth. You know, Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. So we are trying to follow the footsteps of Christ so that we become better as believers, better followers of Christ. Now, um, how long have you attended your local church? I know you attend the Christian Life Center. How long have you been a member of your local church? Um, in my local church, uh, we, we, we've been down here in Coral Springs for over three years. So um, initially, um, I was in Fort Lauderdale in, in the men's sanctuary. And um, um, to the point that um, they, the, the church has increased and we had that new building in Coral Springs, uh, which is just a couple of miles away from my house, which I thought was a blessing to reach out uh, to a capacity of volunteering. And I found it, it's, it's, it's a great place for growth. And um, it's, it's not a large group, um, but it was it is a group where we've been able to be connected to one another. So overall, three years, I will say. Awesome. Awesome. That's great. I know the demographic of, of the, the Coral Springs campus is covered with a lot of both Caribbeans, um, Caucasians, and different mix of people. Um, and I know that the demographic in, in the Christian Life Center Church has changed in the last years. Um, there have been more Caribbean attendance at uh, CLC. And I think this is also due to the change in demographic in the community around the church. Because the community around the church tend to reflect the amount of people that come to the church. Now, um, what do you think it means to be Pentecostal? Well, Pentecostal to me, um, from um, a background of Catholic, um, it, to me, it's, it's very enlightening. Enlightening based on the fact that uh, this is an area where our work is based on on the word and everything to me that's 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 the part that's intrigued me the most it's it's whatever i have to present to you or anyone else it has to be a part of the word so i can see two pentecostal um uh, the work of christ is being fulfilled yeah and I, i'm saying this on the on the back of the fact that um, the church you attend is predominantly Pentecostal in tradition and Pentecostal in practice, and you consider yourself to be Pentecostal. From what you had s just said was that you feel pen being Pentecostal as opposed to other um, affiliations of denominations and traditions of the Christian faith. Pentecostals tend to practice the word. Uh, Carlos, some theologians may disagree with you simply because the few Pentecostals tend to emphasize the spirit. Why de-emphasize 
the practice of social justice. So I take it that you, when you refer to the practice of the word, you are referring to the practice of setting commands of scriptures like that relates to holiness or the practice of the Christian faith, but not the practice of social justice because social justice seeks the welfare of society. Social justice is seeking the equality of people in society and the help of people in society. Now, you had alluded to the fact that even though you are a Pentecostal adherent, you had belonged to the Catholic Church in the past, right? Yes. So would you say that the Catholic Church, in your own estimation and perspective, tend to involve themselves with social justice issues or not? Do they engage in things in the community as opposed to the Pentecostal Church that you are currently attending? Well, it's um, 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 Catholic itself. Uh, I mean, they, they, they contribute. They do, they do. They have school system. Um, they promote unity among people and so forth. Um, but what, what I did experience um, from a, a Catholic background to um, Pentecostal, it's, it's, it's to be in the driving seat of my religious destiny. So I feel like um, I have... I have an obligation. I have a duty as a citizen. And I feel like I am being more hands-on on a Pentecostal standpoint. And, and that's something that makes a, a, a huge difference in me. And in terms of um, um, social justice, um, I, I do think we, we have some way to go here. And um, because... Uh, First of all, we, we kind of have to be a little bit more open. We have to give the ability to, um, to accept um, different viewpoints. Some people will see things differently. Some people will seek uh, different resolutions for things. And um, a lot of times we tend to kind of measure things based on our past experience only based on our past culture and um and i think we have to be a, bit, a little bit more open but i'm saying a little bit more open sometimes um it can be described as kind of to lose your values no you're not necessarily losing your values but i think we we need to take an approach of understanding human beings for what it's for mm -hmm. i see what you mean um, based on your own perspective, you saw the Catholic Church establish schools and do things. And that's actually my argument in the dissertation, that other denominations in other fields, the Presbyterians, the Catholics, tend to go out for social justice than the Pentecostals. And the reason I say that is a lot of theologians have argued that opinion, that even though the Pentecostals have had a long tradition of social justice, Currently, in our day, they are not actively engaged in caring for the community. Rather, they are more into staying in the four walls of their church and preaching to their members and helping their members, but not really engaged in society. Um, did, let, me ask, let me go another way. I know that 
majority of South Floridians have family that grew up in another country. So let me flip the script because I know that with your Catholic background, you must have an antecedent, a historicity of the fact that you are you are in a Catholic church for a reason. So did your parents or immigrate from another country and were they part of the Pentecostal church or was it just you that became a member of the Pentecostal church? Uh, it's just me that became a, a, a Pentecostal. And um, I mean, my background is, is totally Catholic. And um, it, it's, you know, uh, being Haitian, it's, it's predominantly uh, a Catholic culture. So it wasn't unusual for Haitian not to be Catholic. So, yeah, uh, I'm kind of the first generation of Pentecostal in my group. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, so in, in view of that, having said that, so you come from a long background of, of the Catholic uh, denomination and you probably have experienced a lot of the Catholic acts and works, even growing up like you alluded to. Now, let's go to some of the main issues of our discussion. What would you say social justice or holistic ministry is to you? Well, um uh, to me, it's 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 it, it, it goes back to human values. I mean, um, on on t- when we look at the way we as church handle um, uh, the injustice and, um, and the disparity and so forth among people, we have tendency uh, not to come forward and kind of express our views. Um, um, it, it's unheard of to, uh, this is a subject not to step in. Um, but I, I really think if, if, if Jesus was here today, um, certain things that I see going on, he would have said something. Um, if we really, the true representative of Christ, uh, we have to live um, um, in the manner that um, Christ will live. And I think we have, uh, again, I'll go back to, we have a lot of work to be done. We have a lot of progress being made. Uh, but I, I think the church is being silent when it's come to um, social justice. Um, they feel like it's not a welcome statement and they're afraid of losing their friends. They're afraid of losing their families and um, they'd rather um, stay quiet, uh, but maintain a standard that's supposed to be right, but in fact, um, not right. You know, Brother Carlo, it's interesting you say that because that's exactly what I was trying to explain in in the course of my dissertation that a lot of people are apprehensive about going into issues of social justice because of the repercussions of their stance. Mm -hmm. And there was a time I actually preached in a service during the killing of George Floyd, and someone wrote a note and said, why would I mention his name in church? Why would I talk about this situation that at the end of the day, not all white people are responsible for the death? But I, my response was, even though not all white people are responsible for the death, it doesn't mean we should keep quiet about the issues that plague our society. Because an injustice done to one is actually an injustice 
done to all, irrespective of the color of our skin. So it is not just an injustice to black people, it's an injustice to humanity. And I love what you said about what if Christ was here today? What would he do? How would he respond? And without you actually reading my dissertation, that's actually what I said in the dissertation, that the mandate of Christ is the responsibility of the church. That Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor and to set the oppressed free. And you said exactly the same thing. Now, going back to some of the things we mentioned earlier about your role in establishing the nonprofit organization that helps young people in their education and career, that is part of social justice as well, because it's not just freedom for the oppressed, but it's also helping to care for the marginalized in society, people that don't have access to the right connections, the right education, helping to empower another human being. That is social justice. So I don't know whether you, you, I know you're very passionate about this area of empowerment for the young people. I don't know how, whether you can speak to that and use the context of South Florida, how the church in South Florida can help empower our young people to be valuable members of our society. Okay. Um, as far as the church, I, I really see some, um, um, some progress being made and, um, I, at, at one point, I used to um, volunteer uh, in a parking lot area. Uh, you know, I was able to expose to different um, group of people and see the progress from their life and so forth. But I still think we have uh, more to offer. And um, in their church, we have people of different background, different skill sets and everything. And I think so often we don't have an inventory of the skill sets that are available to us. And there are people, there are single um, uh, mothers and um, single fathers to for some degrees as well. And, um, and there are times we have um, grandparents um, taking care of their kids because um, kids were born too early. Um, you know, and, and passing on uh, responsibilities to others. Uh, if we can tap into that pool of resources that we have and kind of give a chance to those young people and kind of give them a sense of direction in life. Um, for instance, I have a particular area because so many kids uh, neglect the area of technology. And um, you have so many areas that can bring a good living to them, uh, but they don't know it. They don't have any exposure of it. And some of them, we went to the path and we can kind of uh, explain to them what was our life. But the thing is, we often shy away from tapping into the subject because we think it's too much responsibility involved. And there are times we think that we're too politically um, uh, involved and we want to remain a church, we want to remain straight on the word. Uh, but I do believe within the word, uh, God has given us the power to transform and the skills um, God put many other people, because when I look at my life, I mean, I am so grateful and 
there were many people that contributed to my life. There were, I remember I had that one former teacher, um, uh, you know, and um, I mean, a white man, he was so devoted in helping me. He brought in certain values that were in me, which at the time I wasn't aware of. And, um, and that's why I, I discovered I was something, I, I could have been something, and why not move forward? It, it, it challenged me on the fact that I have talents, I have to go into it. So I didn't really want to be a toolmaker because I was afraid of the challenge um, involved in being a toolmaker once I found out what it was it all about. But he insisted for over three months in chasing me around until I accepted the position that was offered for a program. So I really think a lot of times the kids don't do well is because of lack of exposure. And I think if we really want to pass on what was given to us, and we have to take a responsibility of, of giving in that respect. Um, preaching the words to them is when it's really good. Um, um, but we need to empower them in a way that they're not really depending on other people, which eventually, or system, which eventually use them in a way that is not beneficial for them. And, and I really think it's a seed once we transform a life. Wow. So you, you just said a couple of, I know our time is running up, you, but you just said a couple of very vital things. You said, it's the church's responsibility to transform. And it is preaching is good, but preaching is not enough. We must empower. I, I really love that. You know, because a lot of times, a lot of churches, a lot of Pentecostal churches in South Florida stop at preaching. We don't engage in empowerment. And I think that's what your nonprofit organization seeks to do to empower, right? Correct. You know, so that empowerment becomes key. How do we empower? What are the steps to empowerment? Because a lot of people feel preaching is transformation. Preaching leads to transformation, but preaching itself doesn't transform without practice. So it's finding ways in which we can help people practice. And one of the ways I feel we can help people practice is by us showing the example. You know, showing the example in our deeds, how to have good works done. That's why the topic of my dissertation is the practice of social justice advocacy. So it's not just the preaching, but it's the practice. I love that. Any final words before we kind of round up here? Because I know... We are kind of going out of time, but I really value your immense contribution to what you're doing and also coming on the podcast today and some of the major things you have said. Any final words? Uh, the last one I would like to say, and, um, and, and, and if we call ourselves Christian, if we call ourselves Pentecostal, um, I think we, we, we have to know uh, with that it comes to responsibility. And um, yes, we can preach, we can tell them the good words, but unless our life exemplify the, um, our action, uh, 
we're missing the whole point because I see uh, the biggest challenge for church is people come and they go back out empty. So we have to make sure that we fill them with something they didn't have before. And, and, and I thank you um, for the opportunity. And I, I, again, I commend you for your work and uh, I wish you uh, the best of luck and, and, and God grace be with you in all that you do. Thank you, Brother Carl. Thank you so much. You actually said a lot, packed up in short sentences. Lovely. You said finally that it is not in our name. You know, a lot of people forget the fact that we were called Christians because of the behavior the early fathers, the early church showed, you know, and they would call them Christians, Christ-like, because of how they behaved. They didn't call themselves Christians. Today, we name ourselves on a form, what religion are you? We write Christian. But really, it was the unbelievers, it was the world that called them Christians because they were Christ-like. And you mentioned that it's not just in our name, because we have a responsibility to exemplify. And we should not miss the whole point of being believers and being followers of Christ, because that's the example we should show the world. So that's such a great point, Brother Carlo. Thank you so much for being part of this podcast, for your time. I know you are a busy man with a busy schedule, but thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. My pleasure. So guys, that's all we have today in the podcast. I am so glad that you were able to listen in to this podcast. Thank you for joining. Please subscribe. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Please subscribe.